All right, second week of blueprint. And so God has a plan, a blueprint, and we find that blueprint, that plan in Titus. So um, open your Bible, Titus chapter 1. Last week we uh, spent the first four verses talking about pursuing godliness. And this week we're going to bite off the next several verses and talk about pursuing order. Um, before I uh, read anything from Titus, if you want to just flip over to James chapter 3. Um, felt compelled, I'll say by the Holy Spirit, and maybe it was bad pizza. We had pizza a couple times this week, so I just want to be honest. But I, I believe the Spirit would have this read, and so I want to read it over you. And uh, if you could soak on this and just understand the the gravity of, of what I'm going to preach on, and then the, the humility with which I want to preach with. Um, James 3 talks about that. So, um, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle his own body. Do you know any perfect men? Okay, so then the words that I'm going to say today are not going to be perfect. Um, I'll apologize right off. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also with the tongue. The tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and setting and set on fire by hell. Careful what we say. So hard, isn't it? I don't know if you're a verbal processor, but I'm a verbal processor. And this passage is, I think, harder for me than some people who are talking in their head versus talking out loud. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and cursings. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? The answer is no to all that. Can Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. 
And this is the passage that God has had me on for about five months. I believe this is one of the things that really happened in our church uh, to create disorder. And I'm going to talk about order today, so I want to just point this out. It's on the screen if you don't have your Bible, but here, here it is. I'll read it for you if you're looking at the scriptures. Who is wise and understanding among you? What a great question. Eh, pick me. I don't know. Who is it? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, I want you to highlight those things. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. In your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition, again, underline jealousy, underline selfish ambition, where jealousy and selfish ambition are, where they exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So I was reading this verse back when we were having a lot of church trouble. And I got to this, this section, there will be disorder in every vile practice. There will be disorder in every vile practice. And I was like, hold on, you're speaking my language, right? I was like, that's what it is. This just is just a chaos. It's disorder and every vile practice is there. And so I kind of, sometimes you back up in the scripture, I backed up and I was like, okay, well, what, what causes this? And you, you back up to jealousy and selfish ambition, and then you go, well, this is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. We're not just wrestling with opinions now. This is, this is, this is crazy. And then you back up to bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And I thought to myself, like, wow, truly, we are dealing with wisdom on this earth, Earthly, demonic, unspiritual wisdom versus wisdom from above. And so I want to preach on wisdom from above. I believe that God has a plan for his church and a wise plan. But I just want to give you five things that cause disorder in the church. One, if you didn't catch it, the tongue, right? Loose lips. That causes disorder in the church. Loose lips. And as a verbal processor, I've had to repent many times of saying too much. And I've been accused of hiding or saying too little as well. Disorder comes from bitter jealousy. I don't know if you've ever been jealous of other people, if you've ever envied anyone. I definitely have. But that isn't going anywhere good. God made you you. You can be comfortable in your own skin. I came to church today to tell you, God loves you for who you are, what you bring, what he's doing in your heart and life. You don't have to be jealous of anybody else. I want Larissa's voice. Anybody else? Yeah, but that's not healthy. God gave her that voice. 
And we've got to enjoy it two, two weeks in a row. Praise the Lord. Disorder comes from selfish ambition. Now this one, as a driven, type A, aggressive, let's go get it person, this one, I got to be careful of. Let's go get it. Selfish ambition. Disorder comes from false teaching. When people believe things that aren't true. Disorder comes from earthly wisdom. I just bucket the whole thing. Okay? Loose lips, bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, false teaching, and earthly wisdom. Now, I'm going to get to the message, but that's all the bonus stuff that God was like, oh yeah, by the way, you should say this. Okay, I, I was... I honored the Lord. Now I'm in Titus chapter 2, or chapter 1, the second message, pursue order. We don't want disorder. We've seen the chaos that that can do, the damage that that can do. We want to pursue order in the church. And so how are we as people going to pursue order? Well, God has a wise plan for His church. God has a heavenly wisdom plan for his church. And he spells it out here in Titus chapter 2. Now, I want to say this. This is why I left you in Crete. Verse 5. Titus 1 verse 5. This is why I left you in Crete. So they were there together. Paul went on. Paul, it's implied he has already started the work of putting this straight. So that you might put, underline that, you might put. It's the only time it's used in scripture. When it's something's the only time you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. You might put, it's all one word in the Greek. You might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So here it is. There's a problem. There's a problem in this church at Crete. We've already talked about, I, I said, go read 1 Timothy. My family's been reading that. We're in chapter 4, so we'll be in chapter 5 hopefully soon. And so, did you go read that? Because like, if you read that, you know, like, there was a problem in Ephesus too. Now you realize Ephesus was like this huge megachurch back in the day, okay? Not like the megachurches now, but bigger than what, you know, was normal. It wasn't a house church. And, and then... Crete had all these little towns and all these little house churches. How did they start? They started from, you go back to Acts 2, when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached, there were people from Crete there. And they must have taken the gospel back because when Paul came, he's like, hey, there's churches. But there's churches that have problems. There's disorder here. Right now would be a good time for an illustration of churches that have problems. Just to like, prove to you that there needs to be like the churches do have problems and there needs to be like a solution I wrote down a bunch of problems um, not with any other church with our church but I don't know if it's really helpful to share it right now honestly it's like there's all these it's just negative but that's kind of what happened that's kind of the narrative right um, and it's never really been shared. And so I'm just like, ah, I don't know. Is it right? Is it wrong? And I'll give it to you briefly because I think it needs to be set straight. Isn't that what he's saying here? He's saying, 
so that you might put what remained in order. So the word there, just so we're clear, is that it's like an orthodontist. Anybody ever had braces? And they move your teeth around. And what do they move your teeth around to be? Straight, right? Get it straight. And um, really, it, you know, it's, it's like a broken bone and you like set it. And so, you know, we've never really said anything about this. So let, let me just, here's some problems that we had in our church. Okay, in August, uh, let's just say summer of 2017, some accusations were brought against an elder in our church. And uh, eventually they made it to the elder board in August and, and they should have been handled biblically. And I'm an elder, right? But, but we didn't. We tried. I'm not saying we didn't try, okay? Like, it's not like your elders were sleeping. We tried, but it wasn't handled. And so what happens when something isn't handled, and he says this here, is accusations were allowed to go unchecked and to spread like wildfire through the church. In 2018 and 2019, our elders spent much time addressing the accusations that had spread through the staff and through the leadership of the church. But I'm going to get to the bottom of our passage where it says rebuke. And I have grieved this week as I've studied this passage again and gone, ah, we never got to the point where we were like, that's right, that's wrong. In the name of Jesus, stop talking about this, you know. And we never rebuked the things contrary to sound or the word is healthy doctrine so that the false teaching or thinking wouldn't spread anymore. And I'm not, again, I hope you see that I'm being very generic. I'm not saying one party's at fault or the other party's at fault. I'm pointing out the problem, right? And sometimes people think, well, because he's pointing out the problem, he's not the problem. That's not, let's, everybody say that he's not saying that. I'm not saying that. I was definitely part of the problem. <laughs> As the leader of the church, the biggest part of the problem. Right? Let's just get it on record. Um, in May 2019, um, I actually, as the senior pastor, asked that these accusations be brought again to the elder board because I needed, I wanted clarity. I felt like this is just a shroud of, and it just needs to be clear. Can we just make it clear? And so... In May 2019, uh, these accusations had grown from three to five, and uh, they were addressed again, but again, um, not really put to rest. And um, I stand before you, and I would just apologize for that. As an elder of the church, I should have, we should have heard the charges, ruled on them, put them to rest, and moved on. And we didn't do that. We failed the church. And that's what the book is talking about. Hey, put these things into order. Summer 2019, our elder board was pretty dysfunctional. I would just say that. Um, I, I don't know how to say it any nicer or better than that. But there was a lot of um, division and a lot of earthly wisdom. We brought in Lyle Wells, who was a church consultant, and we brought him in to kind of put an end to the division and to bring all the agendas to the light. And he, he started to do that, which was really healthy for our elder board. It was painful, to you know, like a broken boat would be, right? When you, something's broken and you're trying to like put it straight, ah! 
<laughs> that hurts. And I think we've all felt the pain of that, right? And um, But Lyle helped us to do that. And um, everyone was put on the clock. Hey, get your stuff together and start. Stop being defensive. Stop uh, arguing and quarreling and start rebuking those that are opposing sound doctrine. Um, I wish it would have been more clear back then. It's clear now what needed to be said. Um, And yet, our elder board, our elder team, spread division and disorder in the church. And so, I'll stop there. Um, That is, are the problems in the church? Was I clear enough? Like, there's there's some problems in the church. And um, what Titus, this is such a hard message for me to preach because I'm part of the problem. And so, it's like, how do you get up here and and, and preach the word of God and like take yourself and put yourself in the pew and go, hey, hey, I need to hear this too, right? Well, you just got to know I spent a lot of time studying this week and God was teaching me through the power of the Holy Spirit all the things that I need to learn and grow in these areas. And I was sufficiently humbled. Trust me. Whew. Pursue order. God has a wise plan for his church. Start with this thought. Number one, God's plan is order in his church. You see it there in verse five. This is why I left you in Crete, that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Paul said, I left you, Titus. I directed you, Titus. I modeled it for you while I was there, Titus. And now you need to continue to do it. You need to set things in order. You might put, set it straight. It's the only time it's used in the Bible and it's to set a broken bone and it's painful, but it's profitable. And I feel like this message to our church is going to be painful. It's been painful to me all week as I've had to look in the mirror and go, man, am I worthy? Do I add up? Should I be a pastor? I mean, I'm literally talking, I've had those, I've had those conversations with my family, with my wife. I think that's fair when you're looking at scripture to examine yourself, like it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Painful, but profitable to set these things into order. There's two main issues that he addresses in this book. One is doctrinal. It's wrong teaching. So people are teaching the wrong things. Okay? And one is about maturity. So people aren't acting their age. Right? Have you ever been around people that just aren't acting their age? You haven't been around me very long then. I'm a kid at heart. Right? And I've had to grow up and and be a senior pastor. And some of it's taken the fun out of me. My wife is like, you used to be a real fun guy. Like, yeah, I know. And then I became a senior pastor. So it all got serious real quick. But it is a problem. Maturity is an issue. And we need to act our age. And we need to grow our spiritual age. You know you can't add to your stature, right? You know you can't add to, like I can't, uh, uh, I'm going to be 46, uh, I can't do that, right? But you can get into the Word. You can go to the Holy Spirit. You can grow in maturity in Christ today. 
You can do that. And I commend you to do that. Now I want you to imagine the picture of a church being a kitchen. What kind of kitchen do you picture right now? I'm sure Joelle's kitchen is like pristine. She seems pretty tidy. It's like there's no dishes in the sink. Everything's in the cupboards. Maybe she likes Tupperware. So it all like matches and looks neat. At least that's how I grew up. It was crazy. Mom, it was crazy. All right, I'm a little OCD because of you. My mom was a Tupperware dealer for 23 years. And we had Tupperware in our house. And you could open the cupboard and it was like labeled and like, Everything was fit just perfect. Can you picture a kitchen where, okay, just think college dorm room. Is that, are you getting a picture? If you've ever been to college, you get it. Like the dishes are overflowing the sink onto the counter as in there's no counter left. Time to wash the dishes. And the table has like remnants of last night's pizza and a box and all that. And there's crumbs on the floor. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. There's disorder and it needs to be like swept up, cleaned up, straightened up. We need order in the church. And God, God's plan is order in his church. You might say, hold on, we can't do whatever we want in the church? We can't just do whatever we want? Uh, no, we can't do whatever we want. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 40 says this, But all things after some good teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, but all things should be done decently and in order. It's not supposed to get crazy in the church. All things should be done decently and in order. We can't do whatever we want in the church. We have to follow the pattern, the plan of God. So we need to understand this. I think this is the first point. God's plan is order in His church. Is that clear? God wants it to be orderly. God's plan is order in the church. All right, the second thought. Titus is facing chaos. He comes, he's like supposed to put this thing straight. What to do first? What does it say he should do first? And appoint elders in every town as I directed you. That's what he should do. Appoint elders. Elders are older. That's what the word elder means. Somebody's older, more mature. You'll see some of this in the qualifications. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers, and op- it's assuming he has children, and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. You're like, speak English. For an overseer, so an elder is the title, an overseer is what the elder does. He oversees, he manages, okay? So it's, it's synonymous, elder, overseer. They're the same office, but he's using two different words. One to describe the title, and the other to describe the job that they're doing, okay? An overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered, or a drunkard, or violent, or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. If that's not a long list, I don't know what it is. (laughs) But here's the verse that just really wrecked me. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, both by the Holy Spirit and by other men, godly men, so that 
he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. Elders are supposed to be apt to teach, it says in, in Timothy. And also to rebuke those who contradict it. And again, I have that circled in my Bible. I feel like that's where I failed the church. I feel like that's where our elders failed the church. We knew that we were out of bounds. We knew something's not right. And we just couldn't get it straight, right? And, um, and it was hard. And we're doing the best we can to get it straight now. Here's the second point. God appoints elders to establish order in his church. God appoints elders to establish order in his church. You're like, well, God appoints? How does God appoint? Yeah, I thought you would ask that. I wrestled over this big time. I was going to say pastors appoint. Ooh, that wouldn't have gone well. Steve, you got too much control. You know, I've heard that a billion times. Like, but that's what happened. Titus appointed. Right? Did he have accountability? Yeah, Paul was his accountability. Titus appointed. But here's, here's the point, and here's why I put God. Because I do believe that God is the leader of the church. Do you believe that? Jesus is the head of the church. And that Jesus leads his body. And Jesus is the one who appoints the elders. We as men are used by God to be his hands and feet, right? We're used by him to confirm the appointments, to confirm the elders. So I think it's also important to understand the context here uh, at the beginning. So Acts chapter 14, I'll turn to it. You don't have to, but you can if you want. Acts chapter 14, have you ever heard about Paul getting stoned? Who's heard about, kids, have you heard of this story? Bible story? Paul got stoned one time and left for dead. You, You guys ever heard of that? Glad I'm not Paul, all right? But sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That doesn't doesn't make any sense to me anymore. That's not true, all right? But here's what happens. Right after Paul gets stoned, but when the disciples gathered around him, so he's laying there, uh, half dead. You guys want to act it out with me? Uh, (laughs) You know, he's like... He's not saying anything because they think he's dead, right? They think he's dead. He's not moving. People gathered around him. He rose up and entered the city. Is this a miracle? Maybe he was dead and he's risen to life. I don't know. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. Now, if I got stoned, I would get up and I would run. I wouldn't go into the city. Paul has a boldness like none other. Okay, but here, these three verses give a plan. Like Paul got stoned and here's what happened. He's like, we need to do something different. Because Barnabas, it's just you and me and we die. Who's going to carry on our ministry? So he puts into place, this is the original part. He puts into place a system, an order. And here's what it says in verse 21. The first thing, when they had preached the gospel to the city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and to Antioch. First thing, preach the word and make disciples. That's what you do. We came to Rochester, Kimberly and I, and I started to preach the word in my living room and we made disciples. That was the first thing we did. Okay, second thing, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them, that sounds awesome, to continue in the faith and saying that, Through many tribulations, many trials, 
we must enter the kingdom of God. Don't you love it? Like, this is from the very beginning. Paul's like, uh, we got to remind some people that it is going to be hard. Uh, like, as in, I just got stoned. Right? Like, he's like, okay, let's encourage, let's strengthen the disciples. Let's encourage them to continue in the faith. Come on, guys, we can do this. Let's go, let's go. Saying that, hey, 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 there's going to be a lot of tribulation. Didn't Jesus say that? In this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus said that. Paul said that. I, I mean, that's the truth. We're going to enter the kingdom of God through many tribulations. And then the third thing, so strengthen the disciples, encourage and, and, and warn them of tribulations. And then the third thing, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fastings, it's a grave thing, it's a serious thing, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Preach the gospel, make disciples. Strengthen believers and encourage them, telling them it's going to be hard. And appoint leaders, godly leaders, in every church so that the work can continue. That's the context with which we have been framed now, the whole word of God, right? And Titus now is trying to do this. He's trying to appoint, God appoints godly elders to establish order in the church. God uses people to accomplish his work. We all know that, right? There's two words here. There's elders, presbyteros, and there's bishop or overseers, episkopos. Okay, I'm sure I'm not saying that right because I'm not a Greek scholar. Presbyteros, elder, means mature in the faith, dignity. It's who they are. Okay? Bishop or overseer, episkopos, means steward of God's flock. It's what they do. All right? Who they are, elders. What they do, oversee the church. Hopefully that's clear. All right. This is not just... Edgall is the servant of the church, right? He's just a slave to the church, although he's given up a ton for this church, okay? Elders do lay down their life for the church. But it's not just, and I want to say this because I think people get this wrong, it's not just a servant of the church, but also a manager with authority from God and accountability to God. Elders are appointed by God. They have an authority from God. And they are accountable to God. Acts chapter 20 talks about that. And uh, I think it's just good. To, I'm just sharing a lot of scripture today because there's just so much. Here's what it says. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. He's talking to the elders in Ephesus. Well, they're actually in Miletus, but they're from Ephesus. Pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves, from the elders, will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Literally, I have written in the sides, false teaching. 
Therefore, next two words, be alert. Church, you got to be alert. When it comes to things of order, you got to be alert and be on guard. And um, I just feel like this is a good time to apologize. I felt like I was being alert. I thought I was on guard. But truly, on my watch as an elder, we were out of order. It's painful to say. The, the thing I've come to, it's like, well, then you're disqualified. You should leave. The thing I've come to is, I'm repentant of that. That's not what I wanted. That's not what I tried to do. And now that I see it's a sin, I'm saying I'm wrong and I want to move forward in a better way. And I believe that's what the word blameless is all about. Blameless doesn't mean sinless. Blameless is above reproach. You have a good reputation. Nobody can charge you with doing something evil or wrong. And that's a tall order. Look at verse 6. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, the children, his children are believers and open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. Debauchery is being wild. Insubordination is being rebellious or disobedient. Praise the Lord for my kids. They have not disqualified me from ministry. And praise the Lord for my wife, who is astounding, to use a biblical word, that's only really used about Jesus and miracles, but, I mean, she's a miracle. Praise the Lord. All right, this last point. God uses elders whose lives are in order to oversee his church. God uses elders whose lives are in order to oversee his church. He uses the word above reproach twice. I have a box in my Bible. It's a big buzzword. It's, it's very hard because people want to throw it around and be like, well, you're not above reproach. Well, you're not above reproach. You know, here's the thing. If Paul, who killed Stephen and persecuted the church of Jesus Christ, could be above reproach, then you can be as well. All right? Are we clear there? So this isn't just a message about elders. This is a message about people. We all should aspire to be godly people. We all should be aspiring to meet these qualifications, to be holy people. And he uses this word above reproach. And he uses it twice. And it's a a huge thing. It's a reputation thing, right? It's, it's, it's so important. It's, it's blameless. This person must have a good reputation. Not sinless, but blameless. Not called into account. Not accused. That's where I get really twisted up in my thinking right there. Because I've been accused. Let's just be clear. I'm not burying my head in my sand. I've been accused. That, that's clear. I read the letters and the one that was leaked out as well. So I'm not saying never sinned, and I am a sinner, and I've repented of my sin, 
And if any of you have a charge or a or accusation against me, I would love to hear it. Love is the probably the wrong word. I would welcome hearing it. It's probably going to be hard to hear, but I would want to test that by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit and by the elders of our church. I would obviously use my wife as a sounding board. It doesn't mean never sinned, and it doesn't mean never criticized or reviled. Otherwise, Jesus is out, right? Our leader would be a problem because he was hugely criticized and reviled and even crucified for something he didn't do. Here's what it means. You must have a genuine, real, godly reputation, not being a hypocrite, not saying one thing and doing another thing. It means consistency. That's what it means. And I pray that my life, that Ed's life, that Ron Zappi's life will be consistent, that we will do what we say and say what we do and practice what we preach and therefore be above reproach. All right, I hope that's been clear. Here's one thing I wrote down that I, I read this week. Damage to the church leader's reputation is damage to God's reputation. You're like, can you really damage God's reputation? Well, yeah, if people are damaging a, a leader's reputation, then that's also putting a black mark on the God that he serves. So here's what I'm going to say. Whether you stay in this church or God moves you to another, that's God's will, please do not gossip about or slander another elder or pastor. Okay? Please don't do that. And I won't do that either. Let's not do that. Those are God's anointed. Okay? Please do not accuse an elder or pastor without practicing Matthew 18 first. Okay? That's the prescription in Scripture. You go to the person. You take a few others with them. And then you tell it to the church, which in our regard, the way we read the Scripture is tell it to the church doesn't mean the congregation. It means the elders of the church. And we could mince, mince that out. Let me get into verses 7 and 8. Uh, so here it is. What to look for in an elder or overseer? Because we need elders. Did you know that? We have two local elders. Um, the law uh, of Minnesota is that you have three officers in your church. And so we have an elder from Chicago as my senior pastor is what I like to call him, Ron Zappia. And we, um, he's an elder along with Ed and I. And we are um, doing the best we can to now train up and install very carefully Local elders. So what do you look for in an elder overseer? Because I need your help. Here's what I need you to do. Last time I preached this passage, I handed out three by five cards and I said, who, who meets these qualifications? Could you tell me? And people pass them in. I'm going to be COVID friendly. If you have my number, you can text me who you think in our church has these qualities. All right? And then I would love to explore that further, share that with Ed and Ron and so on and for, so forth. Here's what you look for in a godly, uh, uh, in an elder or overseer. Godly character. Godly character. Godly character before God. A good reputation before God. Blameless before God. 
a husband, a one-woman man, not cheating. One-woman man, consistent, godly character, believing children. If a guy can't tell his kids about the gospel, then he shouldn't manage the whole church, okay? Not perfect, but growing and mature. Okay, second thing, godly conduct. And it lists a bunch of things here. And I just got to do this really quickly because, you know, yeah. I'm not going to parse every word. You can go study it on your own. I've done a ton of studying on it. I've tried to break it down and make it really simple. Must not, okay? So his conduct must not be arrogant or self-willed. That's nose in the air, I'm better than you, okay? If your elders walk around like this and look down on you and don't think you're as good as them, that's wrong. Quick-tempered, short fuse, ready to blow. A drunkard, literally an alcoholic, filled with things other than the Holy Spirit. Could be gluttonous too. I do like my ice cream. It's not very funny, was it? I struggle more with eating than drinking. And I'm just trying to, that was my way of admitting to you my own sin. Those are my vices as food, not drinking. I don't drink. Violent. Must not be violent. Looking to settle things with intimidation and fear to get physical about it. And then greedy for gain. Not turning the office into an advantage. Not using your office to gain authority and power or money or prestige. Godly conduct. An elder must be hospitable. A lover of strangers. That's what it literally means. Do you like meeting new people? Then you would be a good elder. If you don't like meeting new people... That's what hospitality is. Hey, hey, I haven't met you yet. What's your name? Oh, yeah. Good to meet you. Okay, so open home, open heart, open hand. Right? That's what an elder should be. Must be a lover of good. It's not just kind and sympathetic to good, but it's like a doer of good. I want to do good, and I want to help people do good. An elder must be self-controlled. Sober-minded, that means level-headed, able to sort through difficult issues and problems without melting down. Again, I asked for our churches and and Ed Gull, for sure, his, his forgiveness in this area. Sometimes you get under pressure so hard, you can't help but melt down. Everybody has a limit. And when you come to a place where your job's on the line and you're being accused of things that you don't believe you did, whether you did them or not, you don't believe you did, you just leave that alone. You're going to melt down. You ever been falsely accused? You ever been put in the pressure cooker between a rock and a hard place? Okay, well now I'm not trying to make fun. I'm trying to repent and say, We sorted through a lot of difficult issues and for a long time. Three years is a long time to be in a bad spot. But there were times when I didn't handle it well. 
when I melted down, when I raised my voice and said, this is enough. And for that, I ask your forgiveness. Upright, focused on what is fair and right, regardless of the cost. We're going to do the right thing. We're going to pay that bill. Whether it hurts or not, we're not going to reply, right? We're going to be upright. Holy. Holy is pure, righteous, godly, conforming to God's word. It's, it's literally coming under the authority of God's word. I want to be holy as God is holy. And then this, disciplined. An inner strength to control bodily appetites and passions. Man, that's a hard one. Do you control your appetites and passions very well? Dude. Disciplined. Controlling your appetites and passions, not getting what I want, not doing what I want, not pleasing myself. Okay, what do you look for in an elder and overseer? Godly character, godly conduct, and godly convictions. Again, this one hit me the hardest this week. Godly convictions. You look at verse 9. I'll read it for you one last time. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound, that's healthy doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. This is where I've failed you more than anything else. Did I study the word of God? Am I a learner? Do I listen to the Holy Spirit? Am I able to submit to the truth? Yes. Did that. Do that. Daily. Am I able to teach, to come alongside, and to provide strength and encouragement? Can I coach you? This is the way. Walk in it. Yes. Did that. Done that. Want to continue. Was I willing to rebuke those who contradicted the truth? Uh, No. Did not do that. There's some reasons for that. They're not good reasons. But they're human. And I was not willing to protect the flock and rebuke those who contradicted the truth. I don't know if that's really clear. Like, you're like, what truth was contradicted? Well, there's a couple things I wrote down. False teaching perpetuated by leaders in this church. One, it's okay to tell others, we call it processing, to tell others problems that you have with a brother or sister in Christ. It's not okay. It's in our membership commitment. I will go lovingly and directly to those involved. Not to other people. I'm not going to go process with David Trapp. Hey, David, can we process this? I got a kind of problem with Abe. And I just wonder if I could, if I tell you this, will you, will you help me understand? Am I thinking correctly? I think you should go to the Holy Spirit with that. That's where I think you should go with that. And then if you've gone to the Holy Spirit... And he tells you to go to that person, then you think you should go to the person. I don't know where in the world we get off as people saying, well, it's okay to process this. Like, you process it with the Lord, and you process it with the person. That's what the Bible teaches. And anything else is heresy. Am I coming across too strong? I should have said that earlier. Because that's what elders do. False teaching perpetuated by leaders in this church. It's okay to publicly defame or slander a brother or sister in Christ. Read 1 Corinthians 6. 
following a person other than Jesus is good and okay. Divisions and quarrelings in the church come from that. See 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, those are just the three I wrote down because it was like obvious. There's others. As we see them as elders, Ed and I are committed, okay, locally, as we see, and then and Ed or uh, Ron coming alongside of us, like we're committed to not letting the truth of God's word go off, right? And um, hopefully, again, you feel the love I'm saying that with and the repentance that I'm asking and forgiveness I'm asking for. Okay, last thing, we got to go. <laughs> this is a doozy of a message. How can I pursue order here at Lift Church? Like, great, you just talked about leaders and elders and overseers, and how do I, like, are, are you talking to me? Like, what about me? Okay. How can I pursue order here at Lift Church? Be sound in the faith. Sound means healthy. Be healthy yourself, growing in the truth and maturity. Do you know what? Other people could have said, that's not okay. I won't let you talk about my pastor that way. Other people could have said, that's not okay. Steve, you can't say that or do that. So we all have a responsibility in a godly way, right? Got to do it in a godly way to bring to bear the scripture in the life of one another in a loving way. These last two verses I'm going to throw on the screen. Uh, well, I'm not going to. Jeremy Bold is going to. And he has worked tirelessly for the last several weeks to do our slides. And I am so grateful to God for him. So here's two verses I'll leave you with. And then I'm going to pray and we're going to be dismissed. We're not going to have a closing song today. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then this, Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. These are great verses. I think we should just keep these verses in front of us, church, as we move forward. Elders are needed. We're not in a hurry, but we need to set in order the things that remain, right? And we want to do it well, and it might take some time, and it might take some tweaking in my heart and, and, and Ed's life. I mean, he, he, he's not speaking, so I don't want to speak for him. But he, he might, there may take some tweaking in his heart and life too. I'm sure it will because we're godly men and we want to be sanctified by the Lord. Also, we need healthy people, right? Who are going hard after God and are willing to obey even if maybe we're one degree off. Right? Even if your preference isn't met. As long as we're not asking you to do something unbiblical, please follow. And we'll keep going towards God in a healthy, 
powerful way. Pursue order in the church. I did it, Lord. (laughs) Not an easy message. And it was long. And I'm sorry. It needed to be said. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. But I think it's important that the word of God is clear. And that we move forward together in unity. That's what next week's message is about. That we move forward together in godliness, with order, in unity around the gospel. Let me pray. Oh Lord God Almighty, thank you for your word. It is clear. It hurts. It's painful. But it sets us in order and it allows us, God, to have hope of eternal life. To have hope of a better day in this local body where we grow up into the faith. Where we encourage one another and strengthen one another and love one another through the hardships of life. Through the tribulations. Where we strengthen and encourage one another as disciples Warning each other, it's going to be hard, but Jesus is coming. Hold on for Jesus. May we march as a good soldier of Jesus Christ in line, in tune with your sound doctrine. Thank you for giving it to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us and saving us. It's because of you that we're here in this room, listening, obeying seeking to do your will. Amen.